0: This is Tuesday, July 4th. Yes, it's happy 4th of July, and today we're continuing our study of discipleship as we look at the question of identity. If someone made their way into your house and looked around at what was inside, who would they think you are? What would seem to matter most to you? Now, that's something of what happened in 1939 with the discovery and excavation of what has been called Sutton Hoo. Outside the English town of Woodbridge in Suffolk, 17 burial mounds were discovered with a priceless hoard of relics dating to the 6th and 7th Anglo-Saxon people. Now, these items revealed the details of life all those years ago. Central to the mounds is the burial site of someone that must have been very important indeed, likely a king, certainly a great warrior. Though the burial site is inland, he was buried in a ship that remained untouched for all those years and undiscovered. Imagine opening a time capsule filled with coins and artifacts, chief among them, an ornate helmet. Now, we don't know the name of the man who was buried there, but we know a lot about what mattered to him and a little about how he lived. Yes, something of his identity was shown in what was found. How does what you have reveal who you are about what matters most to you? Here's our scripture passage for today from Luke chapter 16, Verse 19-25 to There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things, but now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. Now this is a parable we have that Jesus passed along to his disciples and also to us. Unlike many other parables, we're not given an explanation for this one. We do know that Jesus was speaking with a group of Pharisees when he, when he addressed what they were talking about with this parable, these words. Just before this, Jesus is speaking with them, and he told the parable of the dishonest manager. That man in the parable reduced the bills of those that owed money to his master. It's an unusual parable, and some for some, hard to understand. And after that, this is what we're told. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things, and they ridiculed him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. That's Luke chapter 16, verse 14 to 15. Now, at the time, social status was highly sought and guarded among the Jewish people. Money was often a way to gain respect and some of that status. But notice how Jesus schools those Pharisees. He tells them that their value system is nothing like God's. These things you chase, he tells them the Lord hates. Then comes this parable of the rich man and Lazarus. In the parable, the rich man has the things that the Pharisees are seeking. He lives in a gated house. He feasts every day, and he is dressed in the most expensive designer clothing. He has a life fit for a king. This sounds a bit like our Anglo-Saxon man buried at Sutton Hoo. The excavators found him surrounded with signs of wealth and status. Though so many years had passed... His remains had long since disappeared. The signs of his wealth were still there. Here, however, is the place of contrast. Outside the gate of the rich man in Jesus' parable is another man. His name is Lazarus. By the way, that name means God will help. He is the epitome of poverty. He has no home no work to provide the resources that he needs to live. And he's sickly. His body is covered with sores. He's not much different from a dog hoping to get scraps from the table of the rich man. The dogs are the ones that tend to his wounds. But Jesus explains he is the one that ends up inheriting life. The man that has nothing in our world, has a loving heavenly father that makes room for him at the side of Abraham. He inherits life, and the rich man man finds that he is far from God. You see, this is the very opposite of what the Pharisees believed. They believe the rich come to be rich because they're esteemed by God. They've done something right and that God has blessed them. But in the parable... When the rich man dies, he's unable to change his situation. He's in torment, while the poor man was comforted with Abraham, the man of faith. You see, Jesus has turned the tables on the Pharisees, showing them for what they have valued that it will do nothing for them to provide a place with God. Now here's the surprise in the parable. The poor man actually has a name. Do you know that this is the only person in any of Jesus' parables that has a name? Why does he? Because the rich man has been named by his riches. That is his identity. This is the problem with what we chase to have a name, to create an identity for ourselves. It comes to name us, and that is what we are. The gospel opens the way for us to discover our identity in Christ And the status that we have as children of God and loved by Him. But we cannot realize our new life as long as we are doing as the Pharisees were doing. Chasing after things and trying to build a status of their own. But the good news is that Jesus came to unite us to the Father. So that we can know our identity and have our place with Him. And have a name as well. Let's pray. You invited us, O Lord, to call you our Father and to call out to you as your children. Help us to delight in your loving kindness and to enjoy the security of our place with you. In your name we pray, amen.